Hello, magic seekers, and welcome to It Turns Out She's a Witch. We're your hosts, Laura and Shannon, and, and welcome, welcome to, to our, our podcast coven. to our beautiful podcast coven we're back with you for another episode of turns out she's a witch hi everybody this is gonna be a good one. Oh, i have been looking forward to this episode it is gonna be interesting it's a tad rando it's a little bit funny a mm-hmm. lot funny in some parts it's all about magical body parts it is and this was inspired by laura and i having a chat the other night flicking through Instagram and seeing some truly weird shit online and being utterly intrigued by it. Yes. So we must give credit to that Instagram page that was cool. There's two actually. So there is um, the Witching Museum and also the Museum of Magic and Witchcraft. So they are both amazing Insta sites for all of your witchy uh, yeah, intrigue and intrigue. history and folklore. Yeah. Um, they've got Weird. really cool photographs of artifacts and yeah, a lot of historical sort of stuff. Yes, and charms mm-hmm. and a lot of the charms we looked at involved body parts of some sort. Hence our Correct. title today of magical body parts. Yeah, we thought we there's an app in there. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So we've researched a few to share with you today. So grab a cuppa and prepare to be intrigued or grossed out or perhaps both in equal measure. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And shall I go first? Yes, please. So today I am sharing the (laughs) hand of glory. The hand of glory. The hand of glory. The hand of glory, you say. (laughs) And um, I've had a sneak peek. This this is an actual hand, isn't it? It's an actual hand. A human. A human hand. And right. it's okay. pretty fucked up but so intriguing. It's like one of those things you, you can't not look at it. Weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So my main source for this information is good old Wikipedia. Oh. I actually had a lot on there and also lots of photographs. So I will post to our socials this week. So Wrong what town. is a hand of glory? <laughs> It is the dried and pickled hand of a a hanged man, often specified as being the left hand, which is believed to be the sinister side, or if the person was hung for murder, the hand that did the deed. Oh, yikes and bites. Yeah, it's pretty dark. dark already. So old European beliefs attribute great powers to the hand of glory combined with a candle made of fat from the corpse of the same malefactor who died on the gallows. Wow. Yes. The candle was made, lit and placed as if in a candlestick in the hand of glory. So basically (laughs) the dude or dudess (laughs) hand was cut off, mummified, and then their body fat was turned into a candle. Okay. 
This is uh, yeah. heckers. And this actually happened. This isn't like bullshit. This is like actual historical did happen. And witches did this? No, no. Okay. So it's not really a witchy thing. It's oh, just okay. fucking creepy. A thing, a creepy yep. shit thing. Yep. Okay. So uh, the candle was made, lit, and placed as if in a candlestick in the hand of glory, and it said that it would render motionless all persons to whom it was presented. So basically you could use it to rob someone's home as everyone there would be rendered motionless. Because they're staring horrified at someone, <laughs> a fucking dead hand holding a candle lit. What would you do? Well, the the story, and this is why I guess it does tie into turns out she's a witch because yeah. it's magic. So magic it's meant properties. to make them all stay asleep yeah. and be oh, motionless. Oh, oh, in that sense. Yeah. Not scared Not stiff. so much like stunned mullets <laughs> in a coma with their eyes open. <laughs> Although who knows. Oh, with you. Yeah. Okay. So you could use it to rob someone's home as everyone there would be rendered motionless except for the person holding the magical hand of glory. Mm. So in 1722... Petite Albert described in detail how to make a hand of glory. Oh, man. So you take the right or left hand of a felon who is hanging from a gibbet beside a highway, wrap it in part of a funeral pall, and so wrapped, squeeze it well, and then put it into an earthenware vessel with zimat, nitrate, salt, and long peppers, the whole well powdered. Leave it in this vessel for a fortnight. Then take it out and expose it to full sunlight during the dog days until it becomes quite dry. The dog days? I'll bring that up soon. Oh, okay. Okay. If the sun is not strong enough, put it in an oven with fern and vervain. Next, make a kind of candle from the fat of a gibbeted felon, virgin wax, sesame and pony. The <laughs> pony is horse shit, by the way. Oh, okay. Horse shit. Just to put it delicately. (laughs) (laughs) And use the hand of glory as a candlestick to hold this candle when lighted. And then those in every place into which you go with this baneful instrument shall remain motionless. That candle would smell like shit. Wouldn't it? Horse shit. Nasty. The Petite Albert also provides a way to shield a house from the effects of the hand of glory. Oh, okay. So... The hand of glory would become ineffective and thieves would not be able to utilise it if you, if you were to rub the threshold or other parts of the house by which they may enter with the unguent composed of the gall of a black cat, the oh, fat man. of a white hen and the blood of a screech owl. This substance must be compounded during the dog days. The dog days? Okay, so <laughs> I had to have a look what dog days yeah. meant. Oh, thank in goodness. Like, um, is it that Florence and the Machine song? Oh. And the dog days are over? Oh. Yeah, I'd heard it before. So I never knew what it was. I didn't realise that's what she said. Well, I fucking hope she did. Otherwise I've just made a total goose of myself. Days. Oh, okay. Dog days are over? Uh, maybe. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> Salsy, everybody. Anyway, so um, dog days, it's the hottest period of the year. Reckoned oh. in antiquity from the heliacal rising of Sirius and the dog star. Okay. So that's what dog days are. Refers to that. Hottest day of the year, or hottest part of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I had no idea. Neither. Might start so, using that. Summer. Yeah. 
summer is now renamed. I'm like, would you like to come over for a dog day barbecue? Yes. <laughs> the dog days. <laughs> We've got to rename ours the rainy days. Oh, I know, right? So if you wanted to see A Hand of Glory, there is an actual one. Nope. No, thank you. Kept at the Whitby Museum in North Yorkshire, England, together with a text uh, published in a book from 1823. In this manuscript text, the way to make the hand of glory is as follows. So this is on display with it. And I know we do have a few listeners in England. Mm-hmm. And if you happen to live near the Whitby Museum in North Yorkshire, we would absolutely love to see a picture of this. Yes, please. Please. So the text states, it must be cut from the body of a criminal on the gibbet, pickled in salt, and the urine of a man, woman, dog, horse, and mare, smoked with herbs and hay for a month, hung on an oak tree for three nights running, then laid at a crossroads, then hung on the church door for one night while the maker keeps watch in the porch. And if it be that no fear hath driven you forth from the porch, then the hand be one true and it be yours. I'm just astounded at how gross people were. Yeah. So that is the Hand of Glory. That's, uh, I wonder when that was outlawed. Oh. I do not know. That's so funny because I did actually, (laughs) sounds like a really clumsy segue, but I did (laughs) in italics copy and paste some information from the episode that we did. Um, I came across it when we did the animal familiars Mm -hmm. and there was some like old laws and stuff. So, oh, I'm just going to read it out. Hopefully it makes sense. In 1604, James I introduced a new witchcraft act that included the occult rituals of diabolic witchcraft. Voltmer, 2007 page 110. Oh, that's the reference that that it's from. Um, This made working with evil spirits a capital offence. The act also referenced familiars believed to be the witch's helpful demonic companions. Mm -hmm. The act really made an effort to clarify types of witchcraft. It also turned communicating with spirits and practising magic with body parts Ah. into capital offences. Uh, the latter certainly veers close to the divini- divinatory practice of, oh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this word, necromancy. Necromancy? Necromancy. Yeah. Is that how you say it? I think so. So that was what went, oh, yeah, what 1604. Year? 1604. So ages ago okay. it was outlawed. So those hands are even, or potentially older than that, or just outlawed. Yeah. Hands of glory. What a name. Wow. So they're like at least 400 years old. Yeah, it should be. (laughs) Yeah, it should be. And there was probably loads around, and they're just Mm. oh, it's gross. So it was always a not so nice thing. Yeah, well, it had to come from a hung person, so someone that it's been hung on the gallows. But the person making it is to use it for unsavory. Well, depending. So you could either yeah. Well, you'd use it to. To render people motionless. Yeah, so it wasn't, it yeah. never had positive no, uses, did it? It no. was always, and that was, that's a lot of process, a lot of oh, effort massive. and energy spent to make one. Yeah. Pickling it and mm-hmm. all kinds of things. And the then that last boggles. one, like the ritual of hanging it on the church door yeah. and putting it Waiting. at a crossroads and doing yeah. it for three nights. And yes, yeah, so it was a process. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of effort just to. Mm. Wow, the, my, that's what I mean. These people are 
that's just insane. Lots of magic and superstition. Totally. Mm. Insane. I'm going to change pace completely because I'm talking about the the lucky rabbit's foot. Oh, lovely. That's yeah. a bit more <laughs> fluffy and nice. <laughs> well, you know, it is at the outset. It does involve chopping off a lovely fluffy animal's yeah. foot and then um, the people do eat thinking them, that that granted. is good luck. Yeah, that's true. You, you wouldn't waste the animal, one would hope. But I remember growing up seeing fluffy rabbit's foots hanging off yeah. keychains and it would be like, well, why are you doing that? Or what does that even mean? That's a bit weird. It was just like, yeah, it's for good luck. Yeah. So yeah. when we thought about doing magical body parts, I'm like, well, I'm going to, I want to look up rabbit's foot and good luck and all of that. Yep. Um, but so a rabbit's foot uh, was particularly lucky as, as I just said, and we're pro- probably quite familiar with, but it was also known as a phallic symbol. And a totem, rep- this totem uh, could represent not only good fortune, but also increased fertility and a bountiful harvest. Celtic tribes believed rabbits spent so much time underground they could communicate with gods and spirits. So naturally, carrying a rabbit's foot would be lucky. And I know parts of Europe, they've got hairs which are bigger, so mm-hmm. it was interchangeable, rabbit, hair, foot all luck and and whatnot and the connection to fertility makes a lot of sense doesn't it it ever yeah yeah they're prolific people people animals (laughs) at reproducing (laughs) the rabbit person they're breeders not readers that's it (laughs) bit of both (laughs) the luck of the rabbit's foot endured generations and crossed into modern culture by the 16th century the rabbit's foot was mentioned in literature as a way to ward off aches and pains it shows up again in african-american hoodoo a combination of african folk legend and european tradition and by the 20th century had taken on a set of specific rules. For example, the left rear foot of a rabbit was luckiest. Hmm. Better still was the left rear foot of a rabbit killed in a cemetery at midnight. Wow. Specific, isn't it? It's seems specific. <laughs> yeah. It seems a rabbit's foot was a counterculture talisman able to make the worst kinds of evil subservient them by its very existence. So that's weird. And that's mm. um, some of that information was from the Museum of Witchcraft and Magic. Um, and they say Scarborough Museum has several rabbit's feet all carried to bring good luck. So they've got them on display and they're from all different places of the world. Mm-hmm. They also have a number of other rabbit and hair-related charms. So the blade bone of a rabbit uh, can could be carried for good luck. Uh, Two pelvic bones of rabbits also carried um, by soldiers during World War I. One was for good luck and the other was to protect against venereal diseases. Wow. And there's another blade bone of a rabbit pierced with nine pins used for divination. Um, A hare's tail was used by fishermen at the mouth of the seven as a charm to bring a good catch. Hmm. It's a very interesting use of um, of feet and Definitely, the tail yeah. and the bones. But I thought that was a little interesting tidbit. But also in um, in that Instagram, that Museum of Witchcraft and Magic, I came across mole's feet. So I didn't <laughs> – there literally was a picture of two little – Mole's feet. Aww. So I didn't um, 
realise that mole's feet were a thing, but mole's feet were a very big thing, especially, I suppose, European countries. Mm-hmm. Um, stands to reason I wasn't familiar with them in Australia. We don't have moles. but No, we don't. Shannon, how would you like to walk around with a little mummified mole paw in your pocket? Um, I probably would not like that very much. You would not like? <laughs> well, what does a mole foot look like? A little... A little, it almost looks like a marsupial paw, oh, like okay. they're long wow. nails and a little oh. paw thing. Yeah. Moles in folk magic were considered powerful charms. In traditional English folklore, it was believed that these moles' feet would protect the owner from toothaches and muscle cramps. This magical remedy was particularly prevalent in the East Anglia region where many would wear a mole paw amulet hoping to ward off the debilitating tooth pain. In Cornish tradition, it was also believed that bags of mole's feet would help to bring out the first teeth of small children. Wow. But why the magical link between mole's feet and teeth? As early as the 1st century CE, the Roman writer Pliny the Elder suggested it was a treatment for toothaches. Some folklorists believe that this was a form of sympathetic magic Mm -hmm. because dried mole's feet sort of resemble teeth in a jaw. Okay. I don't know. It's all just a bit weird. (laughs) They were also thought to protect the wearer from evil. Mole front paws were thought to protect the wearer against rheumatism. Mole blood was said to be a cure for warts and it was said if you hold a mole until it died, you would then have been bestowed with the skill to heal any living creature. Of course we don't suggest to do that. No, don't go doing that. Holding (laughs) moles until they died. I don't know if that means you just have to hold it. Like just, go about your daily business. I don't know. <laughs> just but, like, I don't know how long a mole lives for. It's really weird. Wow. So Scarborough Museum also has a number of moles feet in its collection um, and they come from far and wide as well. There's one there from France, plenty from the United Kingdom and America. They were all carried for good luck. Some were carried in a little red bag um, against their body and, um, yeah, like we said, they're for, for luck, toward against cramps and toothaches mainly. Wow. Um, also during the witch hunts, um, this is the, during the English witch, witch hunts, a suspected witch, Cecily Arnold, was searched by honest wives who between their kerchief, who between her kerchief and... Her hat found wrapped in a linen cloth swine's dung, the herb of chevril, dill, red fennel and St John's wort, the right hand or forefoot of a mould warp, which is mole, um, and that's from a memorial of certain most notorious witches. Wow. And the Scottish witchcraft suspect John Fian, Fian, F-I-A-N, carried Mole's feet in his purse given to him by Satan for this cause that so long as he had them upon him, he should never want silver. So he'll never go poor, I'm guessing. Yeah. Trial record in the Criminal Trials in Scotland by Robert Pitcairn. The Cornish researcher William Henry Painter recorded that bags of Mole's feet were worn by children to ease teething. That's from the Cornish Witch Finder edited by Jason Semon. And in Horny Man Museum, there are four moles feet collected by Edward Lovett, 
worked in East Sussex where they were regarded as a charm against cramp. Um, and there was also a carved wooden pigeon's foot used for the same purpose. Wow. Um, and, yeah, so that's um, that's a bit on the mole's feet. So like you were saying, I think it was when you were talking about uh, familiars at the mm-hmm. very beginning of that other episode we did on animal familiars that during the witch trials, if a witch was caught or a sus- mm. suspected which was caught they would look at what they had on them and that you know that would then indicate whether or not they would be guilty so anyone that were carrying mole's feet would instantly be mm, that's a heartbreaking thing because it was a, a folklore and a custom that I dare say back in the day majority of people would have done they would lot, have had yeah. a lot of these talismans and yeah um yeah different superstitious items and things yep. like that and then of around, course, and then they yeah. would have used them against them. That's, yeah, it's a shame. And if they were caught with something, they might easily say, "Oh, it was. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it. It was given to me by such and such." Yeah, yeah. But I came across many photos, especially the ones from the museums. There's some that are really ornately done with, you know, in pendants. So mm-hmm. there's metal, you know, hanging part on the top of it that people clearly wore a lot, and they yeah. were all also quite presentable so mm. it wouldn't have been something that was always um hidden away like underground yeah. yeah interesting very interesting mole's mm. feet who knew well i know now yes i know now you're welcome thank you <laughs> well now i'm going to give you an education oh please do <laughs> on baculum bones okay so i'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it it's b-a-c-u-l-u-m Yep, baculum. That's how I would pronounce it. So what, these, what is one? It's basically a dick bone. <laughs> a dick bone? Yeah. I didn't. What? So I was yesterday old when I found out that there was such a thing as a penis bone. It's a thing. It's It was a thing in humans. How long ago did oh, you like, say? Oh, like 1.9 million years ago. Apparently, um, in my research. So you can imagine the rabbit hole. Like I am scared if someone looked at my Google history. Research history, bone history. (laughs) It's messed up. So humans do not have dick bones. No, humans do not have dick bones. Um, Anymore. Anymore. And I'm going to tell you why, actually. I actually did a bit of research because I knew you were going to ask me this. (laughs) No, Slara's got her human anatomy thinking cap on. So I'll give you all a little education. So baculum bones were used in magic. Um, But first up, what's a dick bone, you say? (laughs) So the baculum is a bone found within the penis of certain mammals, including many primates, rodents, bats, carnivores, and some insectivores. It's an isolated bone derived from connective tissue and located at the base of the penis above the urethra. Wow. The baculum is a mineralized bone that varies in size across different animals. In a walrus, it can be two feet long. Wow. And in a chimp, it's about the size of a grain of rice. Poor little chimps. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> Previously, scientists explained its existence with the vaginal friction hypothesis. Which, oh, gosh. <laughs> I love the sound of this. <laughs> which, in theory, the bone stiffens the penis and helps it to get into the female vaginal tracts. A new study, however, proposed that the penis bone's function was to increase the amount of time it can stay inside the vagina. 
The stronger the baculum, the longer the intromission. Yeah, that makes sense. And the better chance the male has of impregnating and continuing his family line. So that does make sense. Yeah. Case in point is the coati, a member of the raccoon family that has a baculum and an intromission duration of one hour. Holy smokes. Lucky coaties. Mm. In light of the example of the coatie and other, shall we say, well-boned animals, <laughs> <laughs> the scientists argue that penis bones must increase the length of time a penis stays in the vagina, which in turn is good for an individual animal's fitness. You're going to love this. The team came to this conclusion after creating 3D models of different baculums and virtually oh. crash testing them into virtual vaginas. Are you serious? I'm serious. That's a job that someone got paid for. <laughs> I did. Oh. Crash test dummies. <laughs> they crash test boners. <laughs> what the hell? They determined that the size and shape of the baculum have evolved in response to selective pressures on the duration of copulation and the protection of the urethra. The team did not, however, venture to guess why human penis bones disappeared during our evolution. In 2017, however, another group of scientists proposed an idea that new findings are consistent with this fact. We don't need to have super long sex because of cultural of the cultural invention of monogamy means that you get more than just one go at having sex. Ah. So, anyhow... Back to the magic. Found on the Museum of Magic and Witchcraft's website is a photo of five bone tools made from long, thin, slightly curving bones, with one end roughly rounded and the other scored with a deep groove. One has lines scratched into it and one has a thread wrapped around it at one end. These may be the tools referred to in the label by Cecil Williamson, which reads... A small collection of bone tools purchased from the E. Lovett collection stated as having belonged to Mary Nalda, witch or wise woman of Stepney, London, and used by her when shaping and making wax figures for use in her spells casting operations. Acquired by E. Lovett in 1909. Edward Lovett was a collector of London folkloric and magical artefacts. In an update from the February 20. Uh, 11, Doug Kayla wrote, the bones appear to be baculum, which are the penis bones found in most mammals. This may be a clue to their specific magical function, especially if Mary Nalda worked spells for the increase of lust uh, on behalf of her clients. To this day on some sites, yes, I went down that frigging rabbit hole. You were looking for some. I was looking for stuff. You can buy a raccoon baculum. Raccoon. And do you want to know what they're known as? Yes, please. A coon dong. A coon dong? <laughs> Seriously. I'm serious. You can buy a coon dong. I want to buy a coon dong. <laughs> the raccoon penis bone has been used in magic primarily for love and lust. It is sometimes included in mojo bags while others tie it underneath the bed to increase sexual activity. <laughs> And folklore tells that if a man buries a love bone in the yard of the woman he desires, that she will return his affections. You can also carry one in your pocket to bring gambling luck. Gambling? How is that related? So that is the baculum bones. Baculum bones. And there was also another funny thing, um, which I didn't uh, put in my notes. Why ever not? I was laughing about the, um, what do you call it, that little raccoon that 
goes for like an hour because it's yeah. got a baculum bone. And in the study they were saying about how humans on average only last five minutes and 40 seconds. That's why they don't need a dick bone. <laughs> dick bone. <laughs> it's interesting that you bring up monogamy um, yeah. and to even consider the thought that monogamy was around back then when mm-hmm. humans evolved out of having a dick bone. I wouldn't have thought that would have been so. Yeah. Well, that's one of the theories anyway. I yeah. guess we'll never know. But... Let alone the age of consent that one would argue we still haven't 100% yeah. <laughs> entered into. Yeah. So. Interesting. Very, very interesting. But, um, yeah. Dick bones. Dick bones thing. and coon dongs. <laughs> <laughs> and also the part about the man burying one in the front yard of a woman he desired. Yeah. But that's just any rando's anim- animal's dick bone. It's not like it's his dick bone. So what would that do? Well, I guess it's that sympathetic magic again, though. Yeah. You would have to tie some magic with that. Yeah, definitely. You know. Yep. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm not nearly mature enough to talk about dick bones. I just never knew that that was a thing. Like I don't know how yeah. this hasn't come on my radar before now at 43 years of age. But anyway, Today, you learn something new every day. Yesterday years old. Mm-hmm. We're talking about dick bones. So it's my turn next. And if I just um, get my computer to behave, please, any time now would be lovely. It will bring up my next um, credit because this is a good one. So... I'm going to talk a bit about teeth. I'm going to start with some information about teeth and teeth spells and some ideas. Mm-hmm. And the information I found on um, barberwitch.com and it's written by Mr. Moonflower. Oh, I love that name. Mm. So someone had written in to him asking about, I've got teeth and I've done this and that and any other ideas because I've got some extras left over or something <laughs> like that. As you do. <laughs> so Mr. Moonflower responds by saying teeth are so handy for magic. Think of everything they connect to and represent. First off, it's a really powerful tag lock. So using it to tie your energy to a working is an amazing tool. Even in a witch bottle, a bottle of protection that pretty much acts as you and a decoy to draw any negative energy or hexes, spell work, etc., to it instead of you would be a great use of an extra tooth. So then mm-hmm. I'm pausing Mr. Moonflower. I looked into the um, the witch bottle, which you would yes. know about as well, mm-hmm. but I found that really interesting how so many really old witch bottles, little glass vials are found in chimneys when they knock down old yeah. houses and old pubs. And, and-, and, yeah, and they've got teeth in them and either fish hooks or something sharp. Yep, or pins. And, yeah, needles. and urine in there. And um, one of the thoughts, correct me because you would know this, mm-hmm. is um, that when people think that witches were evil and they would prowl the night streets looking for sleeping people, they would enter the houses often by the chimney on their broomsticks. So a, a bottle there would then trick the witch thinking that's that's the either the people are there mm-hmm. or it would distract it would distract the witch enough or send them off or mm. The witch's powers would be trapped on the pins and all that. Yeah, that's the original thought was to use witch's bottles against witches. Against them, yes, to ward off the witch. Mm -hmm. Magic, fight magic with magic. I know, right? It's 
scared of magic but make magic bottles. It's cool. It I love awesome. it. It kind of validates the stuff that you Anyway, mm. I thought that was cool, so I wanted to include that. It is. So, anyhow, back to Mr. Moonflower. He writes on, teeth also connect to the old and ancestors, especially wisdom teeth, as they are bones of their blood. You, so using them as a tether for familial spirits is a great idea too. I kind of like that. I do too, and I'm just thinking, <laughs> I have my wisdom tooth still. I've got there it. you go. I can pass that down to my children. <laughs> Is it on your altar? <laughs> it's not. I think it's in my jewelry box. <laughs> That's where I keep my children's teeth. And I'm pretty my sure my mum has a wisdom tooth of hers. Isn't it funny the things so you hold on to? And then we were chatting about how yep. we've still got our kids' teeth. Yeah, it felt wrong throwing them out. Yeah. I don't know what I'm keeping them for, but I couldn't part with them. Same. I've still got them all too Weird. in little envelopes with their names on them. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> so weird. Maybe I'll make a necklace. <laughs> oh, God. I'll get to that. <laughs> um, uh, uh, sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. I sidetracked you. <laughs> um, oh, so Mr. Uh, yeah, so Mr. Um, Moonflower was saying someone else had previously written in about making a protection charm out of their baby teeth, so that's also an option as well. So teeth also connect to hunger, literal or figurative, and could be used for blessing or baneful magic. Happiness, teeth show when you're smiling and laughing. Anger, gnashing teeth, and power in general. You could use them to grind their bones to make your bread as a binding a la fee-fi-fo-fum. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, bind or sew discord. Shut your mouth or loose lips sink ships. Last idea that comes to <laughs> mind would be divination. You could make lots to cast. You could make lots to cast and interpret and a tooth can represent so many things. It's an awesome addition to any form of throne divination. Wow. To get a few and. I'm never going to look at teeth the same way again. See where they land. That's what we could do with the baby teeth. Get mm. them in our hand and see how they land. Yeah. Or anyway. I'm just picturing I'm just going to make my kids all like a bracelet out of their baby teeth <laughs> and be like, you have to wear this for protection every day. <laughs> Could you imagine? Not weird at all. The looks you would get. Or they could hang it on their rear vision mirror in the car. Oh, God. <laughs> sure they will. They'll just, they'll end up locking you away. I know, right? <laughs> and there's a bit on shark's teeth because I, yeah. I think that's where this came from. Again, on that uh, Museum of Witchcraft and Magic. Yes. No, this is a website. Okay. And also on the Instagram that mm -hmm. we've previously mentioned. There's a little bit on shark's teeth and... Um, Megalodon fossilised shark's teeth nonetheless. So it's interesting. There was a picture I found that had, there was a bag and it had like 20 to 30 easy giant fossilised teeth and they were in this Museum of Witchcraft and Magic. And I'm just going to bring up this information. So they use, they were used like casting stones, so the whole bag and they would, yeah, to foretell the future or to make charms or to, Cure chillblains. Mm -mm. So the original text is from Cecil Williamson and it says, This bag full of fossilised shark's teeth, both great and small, was at one time the pride of old Granny Rose life, for it was her charm bag, 
by means of which she could work all manner of wonders from foretelling the future to curing chilblains. This wonder-working gran lived at Bridport during the 1902 to 1917 period. One could write a book describing the numerous methods by which Granny Rowe used these fossilised shark's teeth to make her castings and charmings. Scarborough Museum has a fossilised shark's tooth collected in Kent in 1912, which was used as a cramp stone, a charm to protect against cramp. Um, and that little bit of information was provided by Tabitha Cadbury. So there's also a um, tongue stone. Oh, So it's the same thing. Okay. Slight... Um, yeah, that's not a plot twist. I've just ruined the story. But they called it a tungstone and it was highly prized. They were said to be an antidote to poison or snake bites. If you thought someone had poisoned your drink, simply dipping the stone in the liquor would remove the danger and neutralise it. They were also ground into powder and used as a remedy for plague, fever, the pox, labour pains and epilepsy. In actual fact, they are prehistoric shark teeth from megalodons. It was imagined before they realised that. It was Mm -hmm. imagined that they fell from the sky as meteorites during a lunar eclipse. Wow. Yes. So obviously before they realised megalodons yeah. were being all of that, they were just. That is cool. I know. Wow. And that was, yeah, a tongue stone. Tongue stone. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So teeth and teeth. and all of that, real cool. That is. I'm, as I said, never going to look at teeth the same way again. That's... <laughs> There's also pictures on that, on that Instagram that we've talked about. Um, there's teeth. And uh, I think it was snail shells mm-hmm. and bones, I think, that farmers would often make jewellery out of to either put on themselves while they were looking after the animals or they'd put on the animals themselves as protective. Wow. Sort of. Like talismans. Yeah. Mm, amulets. Amulets. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Mm. Well, my next or well, my last one for today is necropants. Oh, gosh, yeah. I knew this was coming up and (laughs) this irks me. This really irks me. Go on. Tell our wonderful listeners. So um, this is Icelandic witchcraft and the legend of the necropants. So these very interesting hairy leggings were the main component in a ritual that was said to bring the caster unlimited wealth, although the requirements of the spell were so freaking out there uh, that simple back-breaking labour seems like a much more attractive alternative. (laughs) So according to the ritual, to create a pair of necropants, the sorcerer must first make a pact with a friend, stating that once the friend has died of natural causes, the sorcerer has permission to skin them from the waist down. It's just insane. So once the friend is dead, the greedy magician must then wait until the friend has been buried, then dig up the body and skin the lower half of the corpse without creating any holes or tears, which I imagine would be pretty bloody tricky. That would be tricky. And creating a pair of gruesome skin pants. So gross. I just keep visualising like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, yeah that's serial killer. Lambs. 
So once the necro pants have been created, the caster must then don them against his bare skin. Oh. <laughs> now the ritual requires that the sorcerer steal a coin from a destitute widow and place it in the empty bowl sack of the pants. <laughs> is that they've agreed right that the friend's gonna die so with permission dying of natural causes yes. it all seems although gross sort of ethical above board because it was an agreement <laughs> ethical ish that's the wrong word but there was an agreed upon yeah but then the next step is they've got to steal something steal from a, a destitute from widow. a destitute widow this just yeah and Place it in the empty ball sack. In the sack. Of the pants along with the magical Icelandic stave, which is a symbol, written on a scrap of parchment. And that's it. That's it. That's it. The pants are said to then become indistinguishable from the wearer's body. So gross. And as long as the original coin is not removed, the scrotum should continue to miraculously fill with coins for the rest of time. Sure. So there's only um, one known pair of necropants in the world are located in the Museum of Icelandic Sorcery and Witchcraft in Holmavik, Iceland, and I'm pretty sure these are actually a replica. They're not like I would hope real. So. How would <laughs> they're you not know? real? Um, so yeah, in this museum, alongside models of the Tilbury life cycle. The sickly, translucent pair of empty legs is standing on a bed of dull coins which assumedly sprang forth from the scrotum hanging above. And I will post a photo to our socials. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> so that's Necropants. Did you did you mention and did I miss sort of a rough date or how old um, that was? Oh, I think I I'm left that sure. out actually. That was in my that was uh, sorry about that. That's okay. You can it was a long time ago. Because I know back in the day, I've listened to various podcasts that talk about historical things and mm-hmm. skin, human skin, was um, quite commonly used for things. Because I remember, <laughs> <laughs> there's early stories of training doctors and training surgeons that then would um, come into possession of skin of patients past and they would bind their their journals with skin and Why? they would even make medical bags of skin and these From humans were, yeah and they were sort of highly revered possessions that could be passed down generations it was a it was a sort of it was a thing i wonder why but I'm like trying what to, the logic behind yeah. That must have been some kind of sympathetic magic. Even though they're doctors, there must have been some kind of thought or logical reasoning why you would want to make your medical case out of human skin. Yeah. Well, I guess it would be wasting good skin then. Oh. <laughs> <Tomorrow>. <laughs> you didn't. Just oh, sorry. <laughs> so gross. And I remember oh, telling you gosh. when we were talking about this um, that I was – I was amazed when um, Matt and I were in Scotland and we did a tour of Stirling Castle and the mm-hmm. Wallace Monument right beside that. They have William Wallace's sword in a display case because it's yes. huge. And while we were going on tour, or maybe it's a replica, I don't know if it's the exact one. Maybe, I don't know. No, it would have to be because this next part of the story, while we were going on the tour, we were hearing about some of his battles and he had a vendetta against somebody else who had wronged him that had an agreement. He and 
he ended up swearing he would kill him, skin him and bind the handle of his sword with his skin and the other guy was like, ha, ha, ha. No, you won't, but he did. Oh, my God. So, yeah, the handle of William Wallace's sword is bound by this enemy's skin. Oh, I wasn't aware of that either. And so naturally I said, Matt, take a photo of me. So with the with the sword, sword in the background. So I'll dig that out and you, you need can to. share that. Yeah, wow. <laughs> It'll be really young looking me in front of a big sword because it was they're, it was they're massive their swords huge it was unbelievable sword. they could actually fight with them i know and they mm. said because william wallace was quite tall mm-hmm. and you have a look at this sword and you would think you'd need two hands to wield that but he very famously only had a single-handed wielding action yeah, which wow. is really difficult to imagine when you see the size and how heavy it would have been mm. but anyhow that's my little skin story oh to Yummy. <laughs> with your necro pants. So gross. That was pretty funny. I was laying in bed last night with Boo after researching all this stuff for hours and yeah. hours because you just have to go down those rabbit holes. Yeah, there's so many and open like, tabs that open. Yeah, I know, I know. We're laying there and I'm like, hey, do you know what necro pants are? <laughs> oh, it's really off. Do you know what a baculum bone is? <laughs> Dick bone. <laughs> Oh, well, my last one is just a little tidbit on hearts because they kept popping up all kinds of different hearts and, of course, we're not condoning chopping hearts out, but I got interested (laughs) into why there's so many hearts pictured with um, pins and nails and all sorts of things in them. Mostly animal hearts, I'm hoping. A lot of them, yes. Any human ones in there? Um, No. I read some stories on them. Yeah. Um, But... Uh, most of that was back to ancient Egypt and their belief about the heart, you ah, know, being... they preserve it in yeah, the jar. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, their beliefs behind that. But I was wondering why there was so many animal hearts pictured um, with pins in them. So it was, uh, it was thought as a counter magic sort of thing. So the belief was, again, much like the, um, what do we call them, the witch, witch's jar? Is yes. that what I was calling them earlier on? Which is so it's spell bottle. Yeah. Mm. So it was sort of um, it was mostly along those lines. People would um, get a heart. This the one in particular right in front of me is a dog's heart that was found with Aww. nine pins, and it was recovered from a pathway leading to a house. So the thought was um, that the original owner of that house had put that there themselves by way of counteracting magic believed to have been coming at them from mm. someone else practising darker magic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like and then trapping it. Yeah. Or tricking it. Tricking it, trapping it, um, and also believed that if one was found, they would put it out and that would um, – place all the magic back on the person that had created it ah, okay. or put them in so much pain that they would then have to um, reverse any wrongdoings that they did to create it in the first place. So it would counteract it. So like a, a mirror, like a reflector. Yes, exactly. exactly. Back at you, shield, yes. force field. A force field. Um, a, a general counter magic spell against witchcraft. Yes. So there's also in the Lovett collection in the coming museum, there's a cow heart pierced with pins and nails. 
And according to Edward Lovett, it was used by a dairyman who believed someone had bewitched his cows. So he used it himself to counteract something that he thought had. Mm. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird magic. It's yeah, it's strange. Um, there are also some similar charms in Scarborough Museum, where a seagull's heart is found pierced with four pins used to reverse a curse. And that's from uh, 1910. Um, and there's another pigeon's heart, poor pigeon's um, heart pierced with eight pins. One is bent um, and with thread for hanging to exercise and punish a witch. Oh, my That's gosh. from 1841. And a fox's tongue carried to protect against witchcraft, apparently from the 16th century. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it was quite common um, for farm animals. There's a sheep's heart pierced with iron pins um, to reverse curses thought to have been placed on the farm animals. So they would quite often um, sacrifice one of the animals for the sake of protecting the rest of them. Mm. Interesting, hey? Very, very. So sticking pins into an animal's heart is a symbolic aggressive action uh, much used in counter spells throughout England. If farm animals were dying and witchcraft was suspected, one should cut out a heart, stick it with pins, nails or thorns and boil or roast it or oh. hang it in the chimney. This should be done just before midnight in complete silence with doors and windows barred. Some accounts add that a verse from the Bible was read but I don't know which verse that was. Mm -hmm. The ritual would then cause intense pain to the witch who could only get relief by lifting her own spell. Witchcraft against humans could be slightly broken by the use of a hen's, pigeon's, hare's or toad's heart. Uh, these were also used aggressively in love magic to force a reluctant lover into Ooh. marriage or to take revenge on an unfaithful one. Um, wow. In North Yorkshire, the heart was sometimes buried in a churchyard, not burnt. There are detailed accounts from 19th century Yorkshire and Durham. Um, one instance was recorded in London in about 1902. Some pigs' hearts stuck with pins found in the chimneys of an old Somerset cottage were given to Taunton Museum. So it sounds like it was fairly widely done yeah, like and practised. pretty normal thing to do. Yeah. Back then. Yeah. Um, do, I'd love do, to do. see these museums. I know. Can, Can we you get imagine? back over there one day? Oh, it'd be amazing just to see all these different charms and all amulets. The artifacts. And, yeah. So um, interesting. And sheep's hearts pierced with thorns were found nailed to church walls in several Norfolk villages in the winter of 1963 to 64. Oh. Together with human images and magic symbols. A cow's heart impaled with nails was sent through the post during a campaign of magical harassment in Lewes, Sussex in 1997. Wow. <laughs> that was pretty recent. Yeah, too recent. <laughs> Don't go doing that, people. My goodness. Yes, there's better ways to resolve things. <laughs> Draw a picture of one. Do what you like. Don't need to wow. sacrifice a poor animal. But anyway. Interesting. So, well, thank you. For your new meaning to the magic. I heart you. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Jeez. Well, 
that brings us to Divine Tool of the Week. Yay, Divine Tool of the Yay. Week. And I figured with all this talk about magical body parts, it seemed only fitting to chat about the mandrake root. Have you heard of the mandrake? Uh, I've heard a little about it. Well, they are the weirdest looking roots. So they totally look like little people. Oh, I was going to say they look like little animals, don't they? Yeah, well, but they people. Can. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. like all twisted and they seem to have like little arms and legs and yeah. tufts of hair and sometimes like facial features. Interesting. And very interesting. So you can understand why people used to use them to make poppets. Sure. And the name mandrake comes from the Greek meaning um, hurtful to cattle. And the Anglo-Saxons considered mandrake as well as periwinkle the definitive herbs to use in cases of demonic possession. Oh, okay. Mm. So other names for mandrake are mandragora, Satan's apple, (laughs) (laughs) herb of Circe, witch's mannequin or sorcerer's root. So they're all very magical names. So mandrake is considered a masculine herb ruled by mercury and fire and associated with Circe, Hecate, Diana, Hathor and Saturn. So mandrake has large, broad leaves that emerge directly from the base in a circular cluster. Flowers appear on a separate stalk and are bell-shaped and white with a purplish tinge. The smell of the plant is generally unpleasant. Yeah, I think that's what I remember. A mandrake is not a nice... No, you don't want to go sniffing a mandrake. (laughs) And you really don't want to eat it either. I'll get to that. So the roots resemble a parsnip and can run for up to four feet deep underground. They may be single or branched and the plant originates from southern Europe. So the mandrake root was imagined by the ancients to look like a human in form and was often pictured in various texts as a man with a very long beard or a woman with a very bushy head of hair. (laughs) Where's the bush? I I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I was waiting for it. How could I not? (laughs) It's before laser. (laughs) If the root was split in two, it was considered female. If not, it was male. The female roots were the most valuable and believed to be a useful charm to promote luck and wealth. The plant was said to grow under the gallows of murderers, sprung from the bodily drippings of criminals. Oh, there we go. There we go. And that they would shriek when you dig them up. Oh, my gosh. The sound of a mandrake shrieking would kill a man or drive him insane. So to avoid this fate, you were supposed to tie a dog to the plant and then the dog would pull it up and die in the man's place. Oh, my gosh. Poor animals. I know. Some legends say that you could harvest only after sunset or that you must draw a circle with a sword or a wand three times around the plant before harvesting. Once harvested, a witch must wash it in wine and wrap it in silk for storage. So little dolls were sometimes made of mandrake roots and kept to aid the household and to answer important questions. So possession of one of these mandrake dolls could be used as evidence during witch trials. Right. As we've touched on. Yeah. So big safety disclaimer, this plant is poisonous. So while it has historically been used medicinally, there are so many more safer options available in this day and age. So do not ingest mandrake. The root is a powerful emetic and hallucinogen said to induce psychic abilities if used internally. In large doses, it incites delirium and madness. 
And death. <laughs> and death. Though it was once used as a sleep aid for those who were in too much pain to sleep. Mm. Pieces were given to patients to chew when they're about to undergo surgery, wow. pre-anesthetic days, obviously. Oh, my goodness. But there are way safer options to trip out and get high. That won't involve you shitting the bed and ending up in hospital with poisoning. So please don't ingest mandrake. It's really not a good idea. Wow. So the magical uses include placing a dried mandrake mandrake root on the mantelpiece to protect and bring happiness and prosperity into the household. It will also prevent demons from entering. Placed on top of money, it will make the money multiply. Ooh. So a mandrake root can be used as a poppet for sympathetic magic. It can also be carved into various shapes for magical use. The berries as well as the root are used in charms to increase fertility and carried, it is said, to attract love. It is also used in aphrodisiac spells. Mandrake intensifies magic in any situation or spell. Wow. And that is mandrake. And I'm going to have to post some photos um, of Mandrake roots people have pulled up that fully look like little weird people. They must do. And the illustrations from back in the day of Mandrake are awesome. Wow. Yeah. Have you come across it? No, I haven't actually. Yeah, no. I don't know. That's something I should have researched. I don't know if we can even get it in Australia. I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm. Well, I guess it'll be something to look up for next time. That's it. (laughs) Definitely. Well, thank you, everyone. That's Mm -hmm. the end of this very... Strange and twisted episode. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed we it. We love it. We've had fun researching. We hope have. you enjoyed listening to our dribble. <laughs> oh, look, it's all things that you wouldn't really know otherwise, yeah. like the kind of um, random topics. Yeah. <laughs> and get in touch with us about sort of weird body things that you have come across or heard yeah. about. Or... Talismans or amulets, yeah. Um, yeah. maybe things that have been passed down in your family, yeah. such as teeth. <laughs> You never know. Get in touch and tell us your stories and we'll share them for everybody else. Sure will. Take care. See you next week. We love bringing Turns Out She's a Witch to you each week at no cost. So if you like what you hear, please consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We are a small operation researching, coordinating and producing the show ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the costs of making the show. As a thank you, you'll get access to some beautiful guided meditation recordings, a Patreon shout-out on the podcast. There's monthly live Q&As, competitions and giveaways, as well as a special book and movie review bonus episodes. For more details, please click the link in the show notes. Of course, if you want to get in touch, send us an email at tospsychic at gmail.com. As always, we welcome your questions. We'd love it if you left a review and shared the podcast with your family and friends and give us a follow over on Insta at turnsout underscore she's a witch. Until next time, thanks for listening and being a part of our podcast coven. <laughs>